Are we gonna die? Yep. I'd say it's working. They're gonna shoot us in the head, or they're gonna torture us to death. Okay. Or they're gonna leave us here until the bomb blows Harry! Up. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. As always, I'm Lindsay Wilkins, and this week we're looking at shadowy organizations, infidelity, and the fragile male ego in James Cameron's True Lies and Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Two directors known for being really chilled and laid back. And here with me is actually a true scholar of film. He actually does have his master's, which is amazing. He is a really cool dude online and kind of one of the, I guess now Paul Barrows of of Action Twitter. And that is Max Daring. Hey, how's it going? Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm so glad to have you on. Yeah, I've enjoyed the few podcasts you've done. And when you sort of said, hey, can I come on? I'm like, of course, this way. So I'm delightful to have, delighted to have you here. It's nice to be on. It's, um... It seems to be an increasing thing that I keep doing podcasts, and uh, I enjoy it. This is, uh, I think, the the third one I've done so far in a row. Uh, I've made other appearances before years ago, but it's kind of funny that so far as the third podcast I've done, like in the last few weeks, each one has been a little bit different in terms of what we've covered and how we've covered it. So, like, it, it's fun. Uh, you, you're making me interested in just always coming on podcasts because, yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> Podcast. Well, as someone who is very addicted to podcasting, I know the feeling. Um, yes, you were just on uh, Monsters Never Die recently doing a commentary for the movie Bones, which was really fun and reminded me I really need to sit down and watch Bones. <laughs> Bones is awesome. I also I was on a podcast with Larry from Real, Real Early. Um, we talked to we, we. Am I allowed to curse on here? I'm sorry. Yes. No, oh, absolutely. Okay. This is Australian yeah, podcast. We, yeah, Fucking we curse we, away. We talked to what was it? We spit, spit the shit. Spit, spit, yeah. spit the shit. Yeah, we did that for a few hours, just establishing uh, my relation to film and out here in the Netherlands. Uh, I, I am not Dutch. I moved out here a few years ago with my partner, um, and uh, yeah. So no, but it, it's fun. Podcasting is fun. I do not have enough time today to listen to everybody. There are way too many podcasts that I have queued up at any one point in time, um, but it's always fun. And can I just say, I love your theme. It is so cool. I um, don't tell anybody, but like it, it might, you might have the best theme of anybody else I've listened to. <laughs> so I, I really like it. I, I had it on the other day, um, listening to one of your older episodes, your Halloween episodes. And I just like, I, I just started a, uh, 
I went back to the beginning again and again, just like just to listen to it because I really liked it. So oh, thank you. That theme is definitely Anthony King. I want to give credit for that. He, um, who I've had on the show before, host of Cult Movies. He's also a talented musician. So um, no, that the credit all goes to Mr. King, um, and I very much appreciate it because even I listen to it and, and bop away occasionally. No, but thank you so so much. Yes, there I know too many, way too many talented people who have really good podcasts. So it's it's sometimes a struggle to get through all of them. Um, but thank you for coming on. Um, what I've always known you for is through online is that you're either really big into action and really big into gothic. So we'll, when we get into Eyes Wide Shut, it'll be interesting to get your history with um, Kubrick, but I'm guessing I already know your relationship to Mr. Jimmy Cameron. Yes. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I, I cannot give any specific time or date of when I got into it, but I'm, I'm 99% certain it was aliens and Terminator two, probably aliens first, but it also could have been Terminator because I was, I, I, I mean, I'm a big Arnold fan. I love Arnold. Um, but yeah, he's been present throughout my life. I think actually, now that I think about it, discounting his documentaries and maybe the first piranha, I think I've seen all of his films. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a laundry list of films like others, but uh, yeah, I think I've seen all his films. But Aliens is probably far and away my most rewatched. Um, the Abyss and what we're talking about, True Lies, are my least rewatched. It's just I've I think The Abyss. I'm waiting to finally pull the trigger on that when they drop the 4K. Is that is that the is that the rumor that's going around? Yes, yes. This and True um, Lies. They're working on. Because um, famously, these two movies didn't have it were really hard to find for a while because they never went to Blu-ray. True yeah. Lies is now on blue. I don't know about the Abyss. Um, but there the Abyss is, is the one I know that's been like that's yeah. been the one that's been hard as hell to uh, get a hold of. Um, but uh yeah, so True Lies, I haven't all of these I've seen before, definitely. Um you know what I lied. I haven't seen I've seen Titanic once. I don't know if I have desire to go back through it again, but I saw that way back when it re-released in 3D, like in 2012 or something. Um but yeah, revisiting True Lies that was uh, that was something. <laughs> it, it's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's, there's a few moments I was like, oh shit, that happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, I no, had heard it, some people talk about it like in the last few years, and I'm like, it's been a hot minute. And I was like, okay, and then I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> actually, I think it was True Lies that might have been my favorite. Uh, not my favorite. Um, actually, I do have a really soft spot for True Lies because I think it was my first Cameron. I think I saw mm. it even before I saw Aliens and the Terminator and T2. So, um, yeah, because I remember going to the cinema to see this because I really like Jamie Lee Curtis. So I think, um, yeah, I have a really soft spot for this movie, even though uh, as soon as Art Malik is slapping poor Tia Carrera around, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. um, but we will get into it because I do actually, yeah, I will kind of defend this movie in some respects, even though the parts I can't defend, I'm just going to go no. Before, as I like to imagine, we are sitting in a massive theater because it's the only way to watch both of these movies. The curtains are opening. And Max, what is going to be your first trailer for True Lies? So my first trailer has really nothing to do with it, but it exudes the same sort of energy, and that is going to be Temple of Doom. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. No, do you? Uh, 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's solely because like Temple of Doom, it has divorced dude energy so much. It is deeply problematic. Now, what I will give Temple of Doom over True Lies in terms of problematic energy is at least that has roots in like the pulp genre. Um, like if you go back and read those, like they they are very problematic. So like I'm I'm not excusing it, but like it has its place in history as like something that happens. So it's very pulpy. True lies, on the other hand, there is a little bit of that in there, especially given it's James Cameron's um James Bond rip to some extent. But I don't know. I haven't gone through all the James Bond films yet, but I don't know if they exude this much. I just got divorced and I like I, I hate my wife <laughs> or my ex-wife. The Connerys definitely uh, do. Um yeah. <laughs> it's um no, I again have a really I love Templar Doom. This is the uh the not the James Bond, this is the Indiana Jones I grew up with for some weird reason. That's when one they always played on TV. Mm. Um I, I did too. For the longest yeah. it was my favorite. I think it still I, is. I was watching you going, oh God, Harrison's Ford's never been hotter as he has been in um in Temple We Dome. are going to die. Hey. Yeah, it is. It's it's amazing. And yes, this is a very angry movie. Uh, Spielberg is going through a divorce. He's falling in love with another woman. There's the whole thing with the Twilight Zone on his back because uh, I know he left the country very quickly after that all went down because um, he was yeah. a producer on the on the overall movie. Um, so there was this really dark anger, but I will say this, which I think you can compare to True Lies, definitely, is he directs the hell out of it. Um, mm. with James Cameron's a weird one because he's constantly getting divorced. So I'm like going, so which, so are you just angry all the time or what, what's yeah. happening? Because you've gone through quite a few wives. Um, so no, but I love this trailer. I do love this movie. I think it's a fascinating one, but I do agree that it is, can be deeply, I'm like, oh boy. No wonder India did not like this movie when it came out. I, I oh, completely yeah. get get why. Um, they were like, absolutely not. But it's a really great trailer. I think it's a really um, interesting, fascinating movie. And I think some, it's got some of the Spielberg's best action set pieces in it, even if he was mm -hmm. a very angry man and just throwing all this kind of thing um, into it. Uh, yeah, and True Lies has some incredible there's there's several but like there's two really big standout set pieces i think and well maybe three but uh yeah just like temple of doom there's some incredible incredible like i it's i agree with you i don't begrudge anyone who doesn't like true lies or even temple of doom in that sense because like it is like wow that is wow but then also you see the actions you're like this is a master at work like every budget uh, every penny of that budget is on screen oh, oh you know? yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it looks flawless okay yeah i guess actually for my first trailer i'm gonna go for also well-known control freak um and actually yeah no you could well it was made in 1946 but but i'm gonna go for alfred hitchcock's notorious What's your angle? Got a job for you. There's only one job that you coppers would want me for. You remember a man named Sebastian? One of my father's friends, yes. He's part of the combine that built up the German war machine and hopes to keep on going. We have to contact him. She's a perfect type for the job. Sebastian knows her. He was once in love with her. She's good at making friends with gentlemen. I don't think any of us have any illusions about her character, have we, Devlin? This is a very strange love affair. Find out what's going on inside this house, what the group around him is up to, and report to us. 
Oh, darling, what you didn't tell them, tell me. That you believe I'm nice and that I love you and I'll never change back. Yeah, this one, I was just kind of thinking of a few ideas. I decided I this is my favorite Hitchcock, which I'm guessing is surprising no one <laughs> at the moment mm-hmm. about the woman forced into marriage to the thing with true lies. <laughs> But I love Cary Grant so much in this. Uh, Ingmar Bergman's always amazing, but there's something about Cary Grant having to turn off his charm, but still kind of ride this line that I find deeply fascinating with that with that movie. Yeah. Unlike Arnold, who's just exudes charm weirdly in True Lies. Um, he yeah, he can't turn it off. He can't turn it off. Cary Grant turned it off for that, and I think it's a really fascinating performance. Um, but I love Notorious so much. That is a movie I've seen twice. And I forget about it, not because I don't like it or I, I think it's bad or anything like that. I just, I always forget how good it is. I remember, I think a year or two ago, we I was watching it for Nor- uh, November. I'm like, I haven't seen the tours before. And I'm getting to it, I'm like, wait a minute, I have. And then you get to that beautiful ending and I'm like, oh my God, I have seen this. Excuse me. That is incredible. That's amazing. Um, no, Notorious is very good. I always... I always find it hard to rank Hitchcock. I haven't seen everything. Um, I've seen, I think, mo- maybe, you know, I'm not going to lie and say I've seen most of his stuff. He's made um, 100 movies. Yeah, I've, to, I've yeah. seen, I think I've seen most of the big hitters. Um, your Psychos, I guess I haven't seen The Birds. Uh, your Psychos, your uh, Rope, your Notorious, your Rebecca, um, and more than a few others. But uh, yeah, no, Notorious is, that is a great film. I'm, that's a pretty, that's, that, that's a good pick. I, I didn't even think about that. I I struggled so hard trying to figure out like how I wanted to match um did I want to match themes, did I want to match like one-to-one plot elements? So yeah, no, that that's a that's a great choice. I'm I'm jealous. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm usually I, yeah. I, I wish I could have think of Temple of Doom, but I didn't even think of that one. Um yeah. but no, it's it's a great movie. I've already done an episode with Andy. I made him watch it. Uh so <laughs> Speaking of, yes. he, when you when you told me two trailers, I was like, oh, shoot. And I had like a solid day where I'm like, I can't think of anything. I went to Andy. He did throw out some suggestions my way, but I I ended up not using them um, just because I, after a few days, I finally figured out. So shout out to Andy. Yeah, Thank shout you. out to yeah, um, Andy. Yeah. Andy's always welcome on the schlock and all. And uh, the fact that he said, yeah, I'll watch Notorious. I'm like, oh, well, then we did pair it with a John Woo. So it wasn't like he was having to watch things he doesn't like. Um, yep. but yeah, he, he did sit down and watch, uh, Notorious for me. Um, what is going to be your second trailer for True Lies? So this one I thought was inspired. It's Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Looks like it's government or something. You've just been identified by a competing agent. How are you going to handle it? I'm going to borrow this. Yeah, yeah. Sweetheart. Love gets lethal. You have an unusual problem, Jane. You obviously want me dead. And I'm less and less concerned for your well-being. So what do we do? Mm. From the director of The Born Identity. Come on, sweetheart. Come to daddy. Who's your daddy now? Brad Pitt. Angelina Jolie. You still alive, baby? Uh, uh... uh 2005 angela jolie and brad pitt um i figured uh spy narrative and then they're they're both lying to each other to one way or another and it's very fun very much less problematic although one could argue the problems on that set was more so that they they hooked up together um i i remember 
very much those days of like ET online, everything where they're like, uh, the breakup, Jennifer Anderson and Brad Pitt broke up. Now it's Angela Jolie and Brad Pitt. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a pairing that makes sense. But Mr. And Mrs. Smith, I revisited that some time ago. Um, and that, that is, that is a fun, that's a romp of a film. Um, just fun all the way through, uh, two of the hottest stars at the time, um, doing spy shit, being sexy. Um, I mostly remember like two or three scenes from it. So the film feels shorter than it actually is, but that's mostly them like trying to kill each other. And then the shootout in the house and then the ending, which somehow never really makes sense to me. But again, I, I, I like it a lot. I'm surprised. Are they doing a TV show or a new I think movie? They, uh, there's something yeah. like that. No, the only, yeah. cause I haven't seen it since it came out and it was all because of the buzz of Brangelina. Like that was yeah. what um, everyone could talk about. And I remember the shootout in the house, but that's all I remember. So I need to go back and watch that movie because it is just looking at two very hot people being very yeah. hot on screen. So it's... Which also that would have paired well with our other features well, but I, I held off on that. I went, I stuck with the sort of spy assassin narrative that that one had. So I thought that yep. worked. <laughs> no, that that is uh, amazing and I need to watch it, but that's going to be a great, great trailer. Uh, for my last one, um, actually, because I told uh, another guest, uh, past future and present guest uh preston mitchell that oh yeah i'm doing true lies and he goes this trailer better be one of your trailers i went oh, it's the first one i thought of because after watching true lies i went on a french ac- action jag i think is the way to mm-hmm. say it um purely because this is a uh, james cameron's only adaption that he's ever done so i'm going to go for another american adaption of another french film that has nothing to do with this but also was seen as deeply problem loved it deeply problematic and now it's going back to beloved again so i don't know but i do love the birdcage mike nichols i met her at school it's this wonderful uh, what, what are you are you upset but let me tell you why don't use that tone to me what tone that sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Are you crazy? You can't get married. It's out of the question. We've been sleeping together for a year. Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh, Kevin. Yes, and so have I. Oh! Uh, who's his father? His father is in the arts. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do fussy, fussy, fussy. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. You know, Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. What does the mother do? She's a housewife. Oh, I could play it straight. This movie is a complete farce, which I think True Lies definitely has elements of. I love Nathan Lane's performance, um, even though he is going someone very big but i don't know robin williams just going fussy 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 the ins and out christian baranski is amazing um yeah this i have is... seen that okay yeah. so i was i was i was trying to like i feel like i've heard this once you said nathan lane and i'm like i have seen it. it's been ages ages but i've i've definitely seen that and i couldn't tell you couldn't tell you anything about it other than that they're in it but, yeah. yeah nathan I, lane yeah. is playing a drag queen because it is about it is based on a french comedy which is about a gay mm-hmm. couple who has to pretend to be straight so their son can marry into a conservative family, which is what mm-hmm. this movie is. So Nathan Lane <laughs> is in drag for quite a bit of it. And you also have all these other things going on, and it's ins and outs, a lot of shouting. Um, yeah, it's 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 got a few like, oh, this is how we're doing queer culture in the 90s. But because it's Mike Nichols, there's a little bit more empathy than I would say other movies have around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially compared to the French one, which is uh, for, I can't remember the French one. Um 
which I have seen as well. And that one's you, yikes, which I'm blaming because <laughs> of, because the French, you know, it can be French, but it French is be French French be French. Um, but yes. Uh, so I am deciding just to go for the, um, yeah, but it's worth a watch. I think it's actually really funny. The, the comic set pieces are really wonderful and it does show the relationship of the marriage. Well, they weren't married in the movie, uh, but the lifelong partners of Robin Williams and Nathan Lang is actually very sweet it's mm. um, just a couple just trying to get through the day and trying to get through this one dinner with Gene Hackman being the worst. Uh, no, it, the cast is phenomenal, but yeah, don't watch the birdcage. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And with that, we're going to be, so yeah, when I was watching this, I was trying to decide if it was the, <laughs> the fr- cause I know this was made, this was adapted from one called the jackpot or uh, t- I can't even try and I can't speak Italian and I can't do French. Um, but yeah, it's it's called the jackpot, and I was trying to figure out if there's all this misogyny and sexism came from the French version, or if this was James in between another divorce and could have been a both, bit of both, probably a bit of both. Lied. What's your exit strategy? I'm gonna walk right out of the front gate. May I see your invitation, please? Sure. Here's my invitation. Me back a second. Mr. Tasker's office. Hi, it's Helen. Is he in? How is he in a sales meeting, Mrs. Tasker? It's not like he's saving the world or anything. Well, see, this is the problem with terrorists. They're really inconsiderate when it comes to people's schedules. Could you press the button for the top floor, please? Hi, Helen. Harry forgot something back at the office. I just ask him to tell me about his day. Six seconds and I'm out. Maybe it's just that you're not in touch with your feminist side. Harry! Uh-oh. What were you doing here? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. You know what this is. It's a snow cone maker. Is it a water heater? From James Cameron. Of aliens and T2. Uh, but I do still have a soft, real soft spot for this movie. You said you hadn't seen it for a while. So, what it was like dipping your fingers, uh, your toes into this movie after so long? I really, I really like the opening. That um, that opening, James Bond yeah. riff is great. Um, a, a sort of also reason why I chose Temple of Doom is like, I mean, granted, that's his second entry, but that's um, Temple of Doom, like True Lies, has Spielberg doing his James Bond riff in the opening. Yes. Um, so I really like that. I mean, Arnold, obviously, he always exudes charm. Um, it's, yeah, no, it's great. I think he's even in the white lapel suit with the with the red rose as well. Oh, he is um, too, yes. Yeah, so it's, I yeah, that, as a kid, would not even begun to register. But as an adult, you know, I, I can see it. I see the vision. Um, and then it, it goes on for that. He gets home. Uh, he meets his wife. And it, it it's one of those things I think as a kid pop culture told me that this was like the second or, or the the first reawakening for um, Jamie Lee Curtis because Jamie Lee Curtis was hot in this. And I think this was a few years before H2O. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. So for me as a kid, like that scene where she's uh, doing the, the, the dance <laughs> is iconic because it's like, Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is hot. And so I kind of took that as such. Um, and even now it's like, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. She she's got some spunk in her, but like she's always been hot. Like she's not a she's not a bad looking woman at all. Um, 
but uh yeah so the the, the james bond part obviously um once he starts pursuing uh the crimson jihad oh boy uh, oh, yeah. uh <laughs> um and he has that great that that bathroom fight is awesome because oh it's God, got great action fight. it's hilarious yeah what well, he, he he beats up the guy and dunks his head in the urine is like cool off you know it's <laughs> it's great you've got the guy who's in the bathroom like just trying to like take a dump and he's got bullet holes and everywhere it's 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 great it's also kind of nasty because i it's one of those things because the bathroom shreds apart like like a like a hong kong shootout but it's also one of those things like i I always like kind of like slightly crunch. It's like you just slide around on like nasty ass, like watered everywhere. Like, but you don't really see that the water's clear. So like, there's no indication that it's gross. It's very it's like, clean. It's still, like, yeah, you don't think yeah, of what's still, like, you're actually they're sludging around. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen those bathrooms. They 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 ain't that clean. You know, that's yeah. a that's a very sterile bathroom. Um, but no, just a, it was a fun romp, and then it pauses to do the middle gaslighting, which again I get it. It, very divorced if you don't like it because that i understand but it's so fucking funny when bill paxton uh when he's got bill paxton by the balls and he's hanging over the, the, the dam and bill paxton says i got a little dick yes. i don't that's the funniest line reading that's the funniest scene in the whole movie it's just there's something so i i miss bill paxton he's great but this the i got a little dick is so funny. i don't even get laid so that pathetic. much <laughs> It's it's great. Uh, I, I great is not the it's funny. It's very funny. Um, but it is it's also very just like, oh my god, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Stop, please. Um, and then it turns again into an action film. Like, it, you know, he's gunning people down. Uh, the the gag where Jamie Lee Curtis she drops the Uzi and it just shoots everybody. It's it's it is a excellent excellent blend of action comedy at every point and even when the the comedy is never bad i don't know if i agree that tom tom arnold is fine i don't know if he has the best like for me bill paxton just he has a line to my funny bone oh Um, yeah but uh even when it is being cringe as 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 we say it's still funny but i i don't begrudge anyone who like immediately wants to turn it off because it's very much is not a fan of women in this and that that's put them uh lightly oh no it's not a fan of women and it's not a fan of anyone of well there's only arabs in this movie and it's not a fan of they're really not a fan of them no. um so yeah it does feel like he going through divorce, a divorce movie and i can understand what people go oh because this is a movie about a man who was gaslighting his wife for their whole entire marriage and once he finds out like the whole spy thing is a metaphor for an affair, I guess is probably the best way yeah. to put it, especially when you compare it to something like Eyes Wide Shut. And so essentially um, Arnold's been having an affair throughout their whole entire marriage, leaving Jamie Lee Curtis on the outs. Once she kind of gets her own thing going, that's when he has to start start meddling, which is why I love this pairing of, of um, mm. which I should probably thank Billy Jarrett if I don't know if he listens, but thank you, Billy, for pointing this out to me because I was like, holy shit, this would work. Was it the was it the ball scene with the Yes, uh, it's my favorite oh, period. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, um, I adore it. I adore it. It's <laughs> I mean, no one has a, a favorite period. I don't know. It's it just <laughs> yeah, but it's got that kind of thing to it, like what what rich people kind of say when they're trying to sound smart. It's yeah. this um it's kind of this amazing thing to look of um, male fragility and both movies have this very much mother in the whore sort of complex thing going all the way through it. But yeah, it is, 
very much a very ugly mean movie that I think James James Cameron manages to um, elevate. He manages to kind of put more into this very kind of simple kind of mean farce where um, I mean, Art Malik is actually a really good actor. I don't necessarily recommending to watch the latest remake of the, of the Little Mermaid, but he is in it. He's actually very charming in it, and he's been in a few other things. So he's actually a really good character actor. But for him just to go, I am just awful terrorist and slapping woman and just being awful. Except I will say I did giggle when he was doing his whole speech about the nuclear bomb and the and the camera ran out of battery. I thought that was his, um, I giggled a his- lot. <laughs> his wide-eyed like amazement when he sees the uh harrier jet like yes. he's just like whoa <laughs> to be like, fair, that, that's, that's a normal reaction pro- anyone would have it's yeah. like what the <laughs> i and i guess kudos to his character because he's still like you know what i'm gonna keep pursuing being a bad guy because i'd have been like oh you know what maybe it's time for me to go like this is not worth doing anymore <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I blow up the keys. That's enough. Like, yeah. it's I. I like the fact that there is a nuclear bomb that's actually launched in this movie. I mean, this movie is balls to the wall. I mean, yes, it is. Um, it it yeah. is a movie that, with if it wasn't James Cameron, oh, um, no. it, if it wasn't James Cameron putting every penny of that budget on screen, it, it, it I don't think we talk about as much. It, I could see Arnold starring in this movie but it would probably be like, we, we don't talk about that, you know? Like, if, if it wasn't James Cameron behind it, that is right. And, I mean, rightfully, to an extent, I mean, he kind of deserves to make this movie because he just had T2, you know? And T2 is incredible. Um yes. So this is him flexing, which is also funny because it's him flexing here, and then he's going to flex a few years later with Titanic. So it's like, he's he's just triple flexing. He's like, I, I can do what I want, you know? It pretty much. Um, it's like, I'm going to have a Harriet jet in this movie. Uh, that's, no, 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 no. There's no, no. There's just, how do we get a Harriet thing on? You need yeah. to build a model. I need a 14-year-old Eliza Dushka hanging off it, as well as Art Malik. So this is, we just need to work out how it's going to happen. Um, yeah. When you look at those set pieces, even when the bathroom scene and how because I love how Cameron uses geography. Like he can kind of look at a space and go, right, how am I going to track the camera through? How, what action can I put in? Like, I love my, one of my favorite shots in any movie is from T2 when Lynn Hamilton is being interrogated. I think after she escapes from, oh no, maybe it's in, no, it's when um, she's still in the mental hospital, but she's being inter- interrogated. And then Cameron just kind of tracks through this one-way mirror and just trying to trash through the whole space. And that's and then you will see Patrick, what's his name? The, the other Terminator. Sorry, I'm blanking. Patrick, uh, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick come in and that same that swoop. And it's just like, okay, Cameron always knows where to put the camera, how to use the space, and how to use the geography. It's And the escalation because yes. it, it morphs from a watery bathroom fisticuff shootout and then becomes a horseback motorcycle chase on the streets. It's still blending great comedy. You know, he's what he says to Tom Arnold, uh, you're on a horse and it's a, it's a motorcycle horseback through the streets. And then it goes through a hotel lobby and then it goes to a hotel um, elevator Yes. And, and and then it's, and then the, the, the jump off the rooftop and then Arnold nearly falling to his death. Like it's, it's such a great encapsulation of like very, not very small scale, but small scale enough and big that uses all the space to a, to a, to a traditional or non-traditional chase. And then it just, it literally escalates because they are going up fucking steps or uh, an, a, an elevator. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, it's just one of those things where I'm sitting there. I'm like, I, I can't be mad at this movie when even with all the prominent elements within it, 
it still manages to like be Cameron, like, and to just go go buck wild. And that's no, it's if, it, yeah. I love how you see the motorcycle go through. Then you see the horse. So you see what the mo- motorcycle does in the space, and then you see what the horse does in the space. Like when he's running yeah. through the through the band, and those people were getting really close to that horse. I was like, yikes. Yeah. And it's just this, this amazing kind of thing. And then when they're in the elevator going up, it's like, oh my God. And then the bike goes over the, the building and lands in the swimming pool. And then Arnie's like, I can do that. The horse is like, no, which no, you can't. good horse. No, 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 there's no way we're doing it. Why did you let why did you let him get away? You're supposed would... to be a police horse. <laughs> what kind of police horse are you? Um, it's because I will say this is the Arnie show. I think because he's the one who took it to Cameron, which he was always been very smart with his career, going, okay. This idea, I like this idea. I like because I get to that's going to be surrounding me, and it's definitely his show. And I will say, it might be one of my favorite performances from him as well. There's he's, just a few. The charm is up to eleven. Oh he's, my god! You know, he doesn't have as many one-liners. He has a couple, but no, like, he's a couple. I, I, in a weird way, I I somehow grant some of my favorite art performances by the one-liners he has, and like I think sometimes it's a it's a. I think T2 might be his best emotional performance. He doesn't, he has one-liners, but they're not like, they're not always like, uh, what is it in Predator when he throws the knife and he's like, stick around. Yeah. Or when he kills uh, Sharon Tate, Sharon Tate. Oh no. Um, Sharon. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Jesus. I'm so sorry. Uh, Sharon Stone in uh, Total Recall considered this a divorce. You know, th- those are like, Oh, Those are great and they're funny, you know. Why don't you cool um, off when he's killing Bennett in um Commando or whatever it is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does the cool off thing here. But no, that the charm has turned up to eleven. He's he's um he's getting to live that James Bond fantasy that I know that he I know and he knows that he could never actually do because Eon would not hire him. Um, oh no. It, I mean the thing you do have to do with this movie is that he's and I actually kind of love Arnie in this mode because I think it's so goddamn charming that he's meant to be the everyman. You're meant to believe that he is, because every single time Jamie Lee Curtis introduces him, he goes, he's a computer salesman. He's a computer salesman. I'm like, that man is not a computer salesman. That is, he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Now, admittedly, yeah. I love it when Aunt, they do this to Arnie, where they kind of make him like in uh, Jingle All the Way or Kindergarten Cop, where he's kind of meant to be in every guy. And you're just watching this going, no, this is a very muscly, very large Austrian man walking around yeah. like he's <laughs> he's born and in I Iowa. He, what? <laughs> yeah, and it's also funny his juxtaposition against someone like Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, a scream queen, and it's like it's she's not she is not at all the traditional wife he would have in these kind of movies. No, and she still works, and it's great. And I will say, despite the gaslighting, if you if we can distance ourselves from that for a brief second. Unlike, say, something like an Eyes Wide Shut, even though I do feel like they love each other, I genuinely do feel that Arnold does love his wife. He's just busy doing work. Um, and he he's too dumb to realize, like, oh, you know, maybe I should spend time, you know, a bit home more. But I do genuinely get the sense he does love his wife. He's just he's just always working, you know. Yeah, he's just um, not thinking about it. Um, yeah. Because I think yeah. it's super smart casting because I think – you need someone like Jamie Lee Curtis in this role who could actually kind of, because when you're working with Arnie, it can be hard to kind of carve yourself in the screen because he's just going to take over. He's very charismatic. He's going to take all the space. So if you're Jamie Lee Curtis and you have to know how to carve out your own space, which I think she does really well, even because this is a very 
dowel woman wearing glasses suddenly takes glasses off, slicks back her hair, has a short um, black mini dress, and all of a sudden is the hottest person in the room. Um, mm. Thing when Jamie Lee has always been kind of the hottest person in the room. But she kind of knows how to command herself. And I think she's really, she's got a really amazing physicality, um, which I think she's always used to great effect when she was a screen queen. I think she's, when she was a, more of a comedian, something like A Fish Called Wanda or Changing Places, I think it is with Dan Aykroyd and um, Eddie Murphy. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's really smart at her physicality. And this one shows here. I mean, there were two movies when I was a kid that I watched that kind of defined probably very screwed up sort of femininity, but that was Catwoman from Batman Returns and it was Jamie Lee mm. Curtis in True Lies. When I saw it, okay, that is how you be feminine. That is, <laughs> you're ballsy, you're really kind of like sexual and you're just like oh, taking and then naming names. I mean, the amount of times that Jamie Lee Curtis punch, punches someone is actually really fun. Like it's just it's just her anger kind of I'm just gonna punch Tia Carrera, I'm just gonna punch my husband, um, who's been lying to me for the whole marriage. And her face when he I mean, my two favorite funniest bits is when she goes, I when he's got the truth serum, are uh, we gonna die? And Annie just goes, Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and have you killed people? Yes, but they were all bad. And then she asks him, How long have you been a spy? And he goes, 17 years. And she realizes he's been a spy longer than they've been married. And her face is just devastated and but i mean it, in, oh. in his defense i mean i i feel like you're not supposed to tell your your spouse you're a spy i feel like that's a usual like that's the like even like in the mission impossible films it's uh, the movie rule yeah you they can't yeah know. you're not yeah. supposed to yeah um which i mean in this case obviously she ends up joining him in the end which is very fun you know I think she might actually have the funnier bits in the movie. Like Arnold is good and he's charismatic and he, he, he knows it, but like she's getting this role where she gets to play mousy. She gets to be sexy. She gets to be strong. And she, I, I think she genuinely gets some of the funnier moments. I think maybe Arnold's might stick out a bit more, but like the scene with the, the falling Uzi and just killing everybody. Like that, that, that's a great just piece shrugging of behind comedy. the thing is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, she's a really good comedian. Like, if you've yeah. ever watched Fresh Called Wanda, she's hilarious and she's super sexy and super hilarious in that movie. Um, and she also should have gotten an Oscar nom as well as Kevin Klein, who was also very funny in that, but Jamie Lee Curtis kind of rules. And yeah, when she's like ripping the dress off and she's looking her hair back and does it and poses in the mirror and then stumbles over her heels just about she's to walk in. Yeah. It's amazing. Or when she's uh he's like, because he's got the tape recorder when he's Fully. No, no. Excuse-moi. Make it slow. <laughs> Make it slow. That is good. Um, or take off your uh, um, tights one by one. I'm not wearing tights. That is good. It's... <laughs> it's um, and it's and when she starts she dancing, she starts doing the... the... Shit. Yeah. And it's like... The, the... <laughs> it's it's so good. And then she finds a rhythm. It's, it's natural. It's great. Yes. It's... Oh. This is her kind <laughs> of... I love it when there's kind of like this very kind of limited female character and then it's then the the actor kind of makes it her own and kind of owns it and makes it better. It's like in Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Rear Window with with Grace Kelly, who kind mm-hmm. of saw the game Hitchcock was playing with, oh, no, 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 I'm going to do that game, but I'm going to do it really well. And you're like, oh, Grace Kelly owns this movie. She's like, mm-hmm. you just watch this James Stewart. What the, f- are you an, you're an idiot. It's yeah. Grace Kelly. You're telling me you're not interested in Grace Kelly and she's braver and smarter. She's throwing yourself at you. And she's throwing yourself at you and you're just like, yeah, that's like, oh, 
seriously um my leg i don't want to be with you my leg you, you can't go mountain climbing in heels i'm like grace kelly can do anything like that character is like she just likes to happen to oh my god um and jamie lee's kind of doing a similar thing though i will say james cameron does have a a better track record at writing females even if i actually this actually you do like his dialogue in this movie which is weird because even in titanic a movie i do generally love i was 16 when that movie came out i always has to use that as a coda um i've never loved i think i was four yeah i was i was a teenager yeah i was that was i was probably four yeah yeah that was perfect for that movie's just like perfect and romeo and juliet were just like leo perfect um Mm -hmm. I think he's he's he kind of likes his, which shows by the woman he is actually married. Um, he likes a strong lady, and so his char- female characters do tend to be very strong and very bolshy. And I will say Helen is very much in that, even though because uh, I love the scenes with her and Bill Paxton, like they are so yeah. funny, <laughs> especially when they're in the caravan, they're drinking wine, and like he's obviously trying to assault her, and like she she's every single time she thinks she's about to be assaulted, she will attack. Like she yeah. beats Arnold with a phone. Mm-hmm. She like kicks Bill Paxton. Like she's what she goes through is not fair, but she's always fighting back. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, she's always fighting back. She's yeah. She's great. And even and all of that. And she still, you still get an emotional truth out of her during the interrogation. You know, it's, yeah, some of it's played for laughs with Tom Arnold there, but like you still get to the heart of it. And obviously Arnold takes the wrong lesson from it, but you still get to the heart of it. She's just like, I'm a I'm a legal clerk. Like I I just wanted I wanted to do something just more, if even for a second, to feel yeah. alive. And he sees it and he does it the wrong way, but you get that. And I and that also plays in again with uh, True Lies, True Lies, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, because she, uh, Nicole Kidman in that, you know, it's it's a moment of like I don't get to do anything. You're the big person. I mean, I, I don't know if she thinks that highly of computer salesmen, but like you're the one out and away all the time and I'm here. And like, I, I, even if it's for a moment, I want to do and be more. And despite the fact she's gaslit and she's sort of threatened, even though it's not really a threat in her life to do it, she still finds her inner, she finds that excitement, you know, um, and it's also funny because it's through the lens of a spy movie. So it's like, what what could be more exciting? You know, if you the dichotomy between True Lies and Eyes Wide Shut is like, what could be more exciting? You get to be a spy and do spy shit, you know, save the world, watch a nuke go, kiss while a nuke goes off. Or do you go to a orgy where everyone is like pretty much threatening to end your life? And it's like, one of those sounds a lot more fun than the other. It really um, does. I would just be the awkward person in the corner in that orgy. Like, yeah, I'm just like, oh my God, get me out of here. Like, I don't, I don't know where to put my eyes. I'm, I, it's way too much work. Um, whereas this one is kind of fun. It's thing, but they both kind of have that same thing of men being able to go out and do other things and their cheating isn't a big deal. But as soon as the, even the woman in the marriage has the idea of cheating, it's a problem. It's a problem. And that's yeah. what they're both kind of dealing with. It's this very fragile. Okay. My wife needs to spend time at home. Once she's there, I know she's okay. I can go do my thing. But as soon as they kind of get their own interior life, especially when it becomes sexual, which is I kind of like the spy thing as a metaphor for the overall arching marriage and sex thing, because 
he's dangling with Tira Carrera having a great time. And I love that opening yeah. scene. I don't love like Arnold. Speaking of people going through a divorce, there's a scene where he goes, what kind of bitch takes the ice cubes out of the freezer? He was just divorcing from uh, Roseanne Barr by the stage. Uh, uh, and yeah. apparently that is something he said to James Cameron. James thought it was funny. So they put it in the movie. Cause as soon as he said it, I'm like, Oh, that rings way. That's too, way too hateful. That This is yeah. something that's happened to you. And then I looked up yeah. and went, Okay, yeah, that that's what happened. But the way he says tango at the beginning of the movie is just, <laughs> I love it so much. It's like, tango. Yeah. No, I think he's a little bit over the top. I think he can get a little bit annoying, especially when he's interrogating Helen and he just won't shut up. Yeah. Um, he, 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 he blimps the line. When he doesn't... Um... When he's trying to talk Arnold out of it, and, and he has the tenth, the he gives him the transcripts, and there's the tenth one, and Donald's like, "Where is it?" And he smashes the window, and he's like, he just he looks at the window, he looks at him, okay, here you go, yeah. <laughs> like when he's flying on it with the binoculars, yeah. and Tom was just talking, and you just see one of them break. I think is yeah. um, such a good gag. It's it's also one of those things where you have to buy into the belief because it is Arnold, and and it's Arnold, it's Tom Arnold, it's it's Arnold. It's Tom Arnold and it's Jamie Lee Curtis. And you have to buy into this this facade that they can talk to him any kind of way and not get immediately like crushed. Like Jamie Lee Curtis, you're with Arnold? Like, this is the guy you had a kid with? Like, I don't know how that works. Like no. he would break you. And, yes. and then Tom Arnold, like, he's like poking the bear the whole time. Like, I I I honestly expected him to punch Tom Arnold the way he imagines punching Bill Paxton. Yes. You know? <laughs> You're uh, right. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. so out of he's so out of place in this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that I don't know. You kind of have to just believe that he's just this normal guy, but it works because it is very much playing with his um, persona, uh, especially when Jamie Lee Curtis says, "Oh my god, I married Rambo," which I thought was cute. Like that was a yeah. kind of just a, a good... cute, cute nod. Kind of to oh, the... the little. The the thing where he he hits he punt he crushes the uh, wood and flips the gun up in the air picks it and then just shoots him like oh it's great or when he when the guy takes Jamie Lee Curtis hostage like drop the gun he drops it Man, it's like oh it's like it's cool he he he's great at posing like he's he's awesome no one uh, poses like Arnold and yeah because he's he was a, a bodybuilder so the man knows how to pose but oh my god he's such a good poser there's some ways he just moves his head and his cheekbones just change like he understands minusculely what his body can do and how it looks that it's just when he's like talking to the torture guy, he goes, yeah, I think I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I'm going to use your shield. I'm going to do that, 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 and then he, and it plays out like this movie's just, it, yeah. I, if someone says I don't like true lies, I can understand. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think you're watching a master director taking something very flimsy and turning it into art. Even if he's I'm watching fun. it, he's like, having, and you don't see that in a lot of James Cameron movies. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that might be the thing as well. This is probably his most fun movie. He's just got off the success of Terminator. I'm sure he's no one's telling him no. Up, no one's telling him no. Uh, Terminator Two. I'm sorry. I'm sure he's cooking up Titanic in the background, and this is him like, you know what? I've done Terminator Two. I've saved. I've, I've, I've I'm, I'm on top of the world. I can chill out, but he, his version of chilling out is taking a hundred million dollar budget and going to absolute town with it. And every penny is on screen and all of the problematic idiosyncrasies is there as well. But it's, it's so good. It's, it's again, don't begrudge anybody who doesn't like it, but like th there is a level of craftsman on display that it elevates the, the movie doesn't deserve that, but it has it. And it's great. 
Um, yeah, there are just so many amazing yeah. shots in it that, yeah, as you said before, if anyone else directed this, it would not be as the everything else would be way too glaring about it the racism the misogyny everything else about it it would be very cheesy and somehow like when tia carrera and arnold schwarzenegger are walking into the um that display room she has with all sort of the persian stuff that she should not have and um she's telling the guys off you find out are the terrorists and then they just poke their head around a statue it's such a good shot it's such a simple shot but it just tells you everything you need to know that okay we probably don't need to trust these guys and then unfortunately Aunt Malik just starts slapping she gets yeah. she gets slapped a lot in this movie I mean yeah she does yeah I'm just like oh I know you're meant to be an asshole in this movie can we just stop slapping Tia That'd I also be find it funny that when she dies she's like the only one who you we assume she dies but also she has a clean car crash to the water like yeah she didn't really have to die you know you was, <laughs> yeah just her expression oh shit it's um yeah. it's kind of perfect because yeah, they're having the fight in the car and this movie goes, this is a movie, I mean, when you're looking at T2, when you're looking at Aliens, when you're looking at Titanic, those movies kind of, you go understand why James Cameron went as hard of, as them as they did. When you're mm-hmm. watching True Lies, you could have got, it's like, you could have just pared it back a little. You didn't need to, you didn't need to end the movie with a Harry, with people on a Harrier jet. You didn't yeah. need um to blow a nuclear bomb. You didn't need that bridge scene. And Jamie Lee Curtis is actually hanging off a helicopter. That is Oh that, yeah, that shot. Yeah, because I read it. She did oh, a lot wow. of her own stunts, and there is that shot. Because I was trying to. There's a few shots. It's like, okay, how did he do this? One, it's when you the camera's down and you see Jamie hanging off someone. I'm like, mm. wait, did they? They no. I was like, oh no, that's not green screen. That she's actually screaming and hanging off, hanging off a. But I'm sure she's got a harness or something. She's got her. a harness, yeah. But it's yeah, still yeah. just that. Oh, she did that. And there's a few things when I was like how do we do the Harriet? Oh, oh no, they built a model. Okay. And then they seamlessly yeah. did something else and turned it into a miniature. It's just the special effects. I'm just like, okay, this is why James Cameron is the master. And he spends yeah. 10 years between each movie now because he's developing new tech to do something else. Like it's, yeah. I, I get that in him now when you're watching a movie, he did not need to go this hard on, but I'm kind of glad he did. And the, the kiss while the nuke goes off is just, it's like an image. Like that. that's a great, that's a that's a great image. It is um, such a wonderful image, and yeah. it could have ended the movie. And nope, because nope. apparently their daughter's been kidnapped. Like it's like what since when? Yeah, I, I do. I, I will say I think to some extent, I I won't say it's tacked on, but the daughter being kidnapped just to have that last fight with Art um, and the Harriet on the uh, on the on the construction building. It, it it's not tacked on, but it does feel like all right. We need one more like finale like climatic fight to end it and it, it, it's i mean it's awesome uh it, it's great yeah yeah i mean yeah let's just have a harrier jet kind of just like sipping around miami and no it's <laughs> yeah no this is just a really good movie it's just i think it's just when you're watching just the pure craft of james cameron and you realize what he can do with any premise as i said before when you're watching t2 you can understand what he's creating titanic you can even understand why this movie is going hard as it is and why he's doing what he's doing. And definitely that with aliens. And they always feel like really hard work when you're watching them. This one, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like he's kind of smiling, which I don't yeah. associate with James Cameron very often. Yeah. It it feels like, a, I mean, I know I heard about his, uh, how he, his sets previously, I think he's mellowed out in the last few years, but for he's whatever reason, about I, it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. I get the feeling that maybe he wasn't as bad on the set of uh, True Lies as he Everyone was like, on, say, some Terminator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I remember it was Drew McQueenie. He's a film writer. Mm. He on one of his podcasts, he, he said he remembers because he lived out in L.A. at the time that it, it used to be the the treatment on Terminator Two was so bad. People would wear shirts that said uh, T Three, not with me. So it's like, uh. <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah, like people on Aliens just kept quitting, like. For yeah. um, oh, Gail Hurd, I think it is, who was his producer. Or am I thinking it's not with John Carpenter's producer? Um, I think Gail Hurd. That makes yeah, sense. Gail and Hurd. Um, she had to constantly keep going to the crew and apologizing for, for James Cameron. And mm-hmm. just, and I know on Odyssey, uh, not the Odyssey, on the Abyss, it was really tough, like, because yeah. they're constantly in water all the time. Um, yeah. And then when you hear stories compared with Avatar 2, when they're in water, he goes, no, 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 it was easy there. We only had 10 minute slots. We were never in danger where there's the people in the bus like, oh no, we thought we were going to die. Like that is, that was just a daily, daily thing. So I think he has mellowed out quite a bit. And when you hear stories from True Lies, everyone just had a blast. Jamie Lee Curtis had great tear caresses. It's uh, it's, uh, one of um, Jamie Lee Curtis's anterior caress favorite movies they've been in, same with Tom Arnold. A lot of people do have um, really good um, experiences. Not everyone. But I think he yeah. was a little bit more relaxed on that one because, yeah, he he goes, well, I've just made T two. What are you going to do to me? Like, yeah, I've yeah. I've achieved the biggest thing you can in movies. Now I just get to goof around on this one, and you can kind of feel it in the bones of it. It's it's very it's a little looser usually than his other movies. Mm. No, I agree. Yes. Uh, anything else you want to say about True Lies before we get on to Mister Kubrick? Another. It relaxed. is. Yeah, it. True Lies is, is so much fun. I. And there are some of this I need to revisit. I think I'm probably due for a rewatch of Titanic at some point. I'm definitely going to do the abyss once that drops. Uh, finally, um, I'm willing to wager it's probably his not one of his best films, but I don't really think he knows how to miss. So it's it's great. Like if you can handle the problematic stuff, the racism, the gaslighting. I mean, it's still a man operating like at the top of his craft. Like even when he's doing wrong he's still not missing, you know, it's, yeah, it's awesome. The set pieces in True Lies are amazing, especially the bathroom scene, especially yeah. the the horse chase, the motorbike chase, the um kind of, yeah, there's just so many set pieces. And yeah, it's, I love it, but I understand the pacing's a little patchy because you have to go through in the side quest where Arnold is going to torture his wife for yeah, It stops minutes. dead in its tracks to give you that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just kind of, yeah, it does. Wait, she's having an affair? Okay, over here. So it, it like, kind of it was does one of those things when it was one of those things when the Crimson God, I hate saying it. When the Crimson Jihad shows <laughs> up at such the hotel, a terrible it's, name. it comes uh, out of left field because you're like, oh yeah, there's a whole other like movie going on here, and it's like you they have to come in and break in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You literally forget that there's a there was meant to be this other movie happening. Um, yeah. but no, it, it's yeah, it's not his best together. I don't think construction wise, it's his best movie, especially with some of those elements in there but i still think it's got some of his best set pieces as again yeah. like uh temple of doom it's got some of his best set pieces in there so um yeah are you ready to go on to eyes wide shut yeah i am and uh you'll find I, i'm wearing a shining shirt that i got so uh, yes! i'm not saying this is yeah i'm not saying it's my favorite kubrick movie but like i i really like it's yeah, a I could great pattern. It. I love that carpet <laughs> no. so much. I would have that carpet if it didn't freak me out every night. Um, <laughs> okay, curtains are back opening. What is going to be your first trailer for Eyes Wide Shut? 
So you will find this movie very familiar because I recently listened to it. Um, your your podcast, your episode on it, Dead and Buried. Two murders in a town no bigger than a postage stamp. When you die in Potter's Bluff, expect the unexpected. Hi. Just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Potter's Bluff, a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to die there. Professional opinion. Fast in the yes. <laughs> okay, so I yeah I watched this I think for the first time last year, and I I I am in I am in the fandom of that. That is a mean. That is a mean ass movie. A Twilight Zone, like a really fucked up Twilight Zone episode with a lot more gore. Um, like you were saying in your episode, it's um it's very violent. You know, that opening scene, which I totally forgot about. Oh yeah. Um and that guy, he's taking pictures of the girl naked on the beach, and you're like, ah, and then he gets set on fire for a very long time, and then he doesn't die. <laughs> he's end up in the hospital with that image. Like that was the image uh I think was posted when you're like trying to rent the movie. It's him with the one eye open with the Yes, bandages. and then you the needle is like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. What a, a cruel film. I actually not and, uh, you've already covered it, but like a double feature with that and the '82 film Superstition. I've watched that this year for Spooktober. Oh, I still need to see this, but yeah, I need, yeah, I've heard it. Was, Very, that that's be, like yeah. that is Euro horror, but through an American lens. Also, very mean. Not as not not a nasty Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode like Dead and Buried is, but is a very cruel. Nobody is safe in that film, and just like in Dead and Buried, like just too a double feature of just like 80s meanness like just absolutely callously cruel to everybody oh it is um, it's so mean once you find out what's actually happening but, but the fact yeah. that it is so mean everyone just meets this really cruel and horrible Death. end though not end with that movie but it is just yeah. oh, that's true. it's i love this movie i do love that movie i think the performances are great um but yeah everyone's death is just like extra horrible and like why'd you have to kill them like that what? there's no yeah. need to murder them like it's, and yeah. so I thought it I thought it worked with Eyes Wide Shut in the sense that it it is this man sort of going down this descent into what's wrong with his with his local spear, you know. And what his is wrong with his is, wife? Like his yeah. wife is doing even something though, weird. Yeah. Yeah, even though his wife isn't uh, the Nicole Kimmon in Eyes Wide Shut isn't as weird as uh he is. Oh, she's being normal, to, he's being the weirdo. But yeah, in terms weird. of the reality of the movie, he is the weird one. He's the one who can't yeah. quite accept what is happening around him um like tom cruise cannot accept his reality so he needs to kind of try and change it and it gets very and tom cruise is yeah. lucky because he doesn't he doesn't share a fate badly in uh he doesn't share a terrible fate in eyes wide shut and obviously if he did share a bad fate it's not nearly as gruesome as the ending of that film um he but yeah pretty I, thought, lucky. I thought he, he gets to sleep with the co kidman i think he's doing yeah, I, I, but I thought thematically, like that. That's a that's a good sort of a mean, like, uh, that, that, yeah, that works. <laughs> no, it it really does. I'm a little jealous. I didn't think of this one because that is a really really good trailer. Um, I was and, afraid you weren't gonna vibe with it because you just did the. <laughs> oh no, I I love I like I could watch that movie anytime, which is surprising considering how mean that movie is. But 
no, I I think it's gonna and it will work really well in front of um in front of this. Um, so no, I absolutely because I love how you can change the context of a movie, but just by pairing it with something else, even though I paired that with uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow, which has gives it its own context. You you pair it with with Eyes Wide Shut, it completely changes again. That's it's I I absolutely love it. But yeah, that is that is amazing. Um, okay, what am I gonna do for my one? Actually, I'm going to leave my horror one until later, but I'm, I guess my prestige one I'll go with next. And I am going to go for, an, well, this is actually a straight period movie because I will, um, when I'm watching it this time around, I just noticed how period feeling eyes wide shut is in a weird way, just with the extravagance and the small pokey London rooms that are meant to be New York. But I'm going to go for Martin Scorsese's Age of Innocence from 1993. I want everybody to know what? that we're engaged. <laughs> until he met a woman who lived by her own rules. I think they're all a little angry with me for setting up for myself. I hear she means to get a divorce. She made an awful marriage, but that doesn't make her an outcast. I came to see what you were running away from. All I really want is to feel cared for and safe. Is there someone else? We should remember marriage is marriage, and Ellen is still a wife. When can I see you? I can't be your wife, Newland. Is it your idea I should live with you as your mistress? You gave me my first glimpse of a real life. I hadn't seen this in a while, um, but I remember loving it. I remember loving the performances. I remember loving the decadence, because this movie is decadent with a capital D. Um, so mm. much velvet, because it's doing uh, 1890s or 1880s New York. Yeah, Winona Ryder is, I think it's the best she's ever been. I love the story of this guy who is trying to be within society, but he keeps getting dragged to this divorcee played by uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and um, how society kind of shuns him. It's kind of the reverse of what um, Eyes Wide Shut's doing, but I think it will play well before Eyes Wide Shut. Mm. I uh, I still have a bunch of Scorsese, so I have not seen Age of Innocence. Um, it's very good. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it turns into a gangster movie. You're like, wait, hang, how did we turn into this? <laughs> nice. um, it's about a lot of things, but then all you suddenly realize, oh, the wealthy families work like mafia. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it is a very well done. It's oh, such a beautiful movie. It's just texture the movie. Um, yeah, but no, I, I, sorry, I would definitely recommend it. Films. Yeah. Yeah, because nope. I've seen it's it's funny when there, there was a prompt that went around like not a prompt I think but uh, people are like there was a lot of people saying Kills of the Flower Moon which is very good uh, that was their first Scorsese movie at theater and I thought for a moment like oh I guess it's mine too but it's not because I, since I moved out here I saw Taxi Driver and I saw Raging Bull in the theater oh, definitely wow. need to revisit them especially Raging Bull um, but uh, no this is the, I was very happy that Kills of the Flower Moon was not my first uh, Scorsese in the theater um, but I definitely definitely because uh, I've seen Killers uh, I was about to say Mandy uh, Kills of the Flower Moon Wolf of Wall Street uh, Shutter Island at some point I watched The Aviator and forgot I watched it so I definitely need to revisit that uh, Goodfellas Mean Streets I, I, I've seen chunks of those films not everything but like I've I've seen more of his films than I uh, realize I have. So that's, that's all. That's it's fun. always the way, like Aviate is a weird one. Cause I forgot that I had seen that one. Then I watched it and went, wait, this is really good. But it's kind of a weird one in his filmography a little bit. But then again, I still haven't seen like things like Passion of the Christ, Kudan, um, 
Uh, still haven't seen. Um, yeah, it was a few of his earlier movies. So, though I've only seen Taxi Driver and Raging Bull once because I ah, they're a genius masterpieces. But I'm just like, ooh, both these made movies made me feel uncomfortable. So I need to yeah. gird myself before, I, especially Raging Bull. Like that one, I'm like, can we get Catherine Moriarty away from this man, please? <laughs> that she's she, we just need to get her into to safety. But no, Age of Innocence, I would definitely recommend. It's a incredible movie from him because he generally makes incredible, incredible movies. What is going to be your second trailer for Eyes Wide Shut? Okay, so this one is actually a very recent watch as um, as early as this week, actually. It's, um, I'm doing, I always do Spooktober and then I say I'm going to do November, but November, but Spooktober takes so much out of me because it is a film pretty much for every day. So November is very much less consistent. Yeah, however, that's me as well. Yeah. However, first time watch of uh, The Third Man uh, with Orson <gasps> Welles. Is Mr. Martins engaged on our new book? Yes. It's a murder story. It's based on fact. It's called The Third Man. Heard of Harry Lyme? Best friend I ever had. So you're going to find me the real criminal. Sounds like one of your stories. uh hadn't seen it before this week um and it took me a sec because i watched it and i went to bed because my because i wasn't i wasn't really vibing at first but then like i just let stew for a bit and yeah no it works it's you know um holly martin the character he's going into post-war vienna after world war ii and he thinks he thinks he's he's got what I love main character energy. So in a sense, maybe he's not. kind of yeah, it, <laughs> he maybe, is, but he it, actually isn't because then all yeah, else gonna show up. Maybe it makes a kind of a strange main character energy double feature with Halloween Kills, where everyone in that has main character energy. Yes, um, but he he thinks he's like oh my friend died under mysterious circumstances. The police must be involved. And he thinks like, you know what? I'm an author. I, I know things. I'm going to discover the, the heart of this mystery. And then he slowly realizes when it's far too late that it, it's so, it's way, it's not as complex as that, but it is complex in a different way. And literally the whole time people are telling him, go back home. You shouldn't be here. You don't belong here. Leave now or the, or, you know, bad things will happen to you. And he just keeps going down and down. And even at the point when he, when he finally thinks, you know what, I should leave. He can't leave anymore because he's just, he's, he's stuck in there. And have you seen it? I'm sorry. I'm I'm guessing about it. I love this movie. Yeah. So spoilers for this very old film uh, from 49. He doesn't die, but he, he, after not heeding anybody's warnings, he loses everything. He his does. friend is dead. Uh, the girl that he thinks uh, is that he is enamored with, she doesn't want anything to do with him. Walks away. Wa- literally walks away in that literally iconic, walks away. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful font. Doesn't even look at him; just walks right past mm-hmm. him. And another friend he could have had, and the police captain just drives off without him. And it's a very it's a film that bucks the trend of the noir, but still keeps the trappings, especially with that ending. Because in, in that ending, 
everybody loses. Orson Welles yes. loses his life. His girlfriend loses her, her partner and um, or her, her her former boyfriend and a potential boyfriend. Um, the and cop, also her citizenship because lo- she's hiding out yeah. in Vienna. So there's a good chance that she's going to be put it, back to either Germany it. or Russia or something. I can't remember. I think Some- it was Russia. Russia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the cop loses his um his subordinate. And it's it's a it's a very noirish ending. And I think it worked really well with Eyes Wide Shut. And then this man descending into this world that he has no place being in. He has no he he has no he has no business being in. And out again, works out decently for Tom Cruise after a lot of menace. But these between Third Man and uh Dead and Buried, just very dark endings uh with these people who you know they they never they never had a chance uh and especially with the labyrinthian i, I hope i said that word uh, vienna streets mm. you know uh it's the bombed out vienna streets you know uh, the streets are empty at night which is kind of similar as well with eyes wide shut uh and then you get to the sewers and that that chase at the end Ugh. and it's just a labyrinth yeah. of like black and white like it's a, it's a gorgeous sumptuous film i true it, like I said, it took me it took me a night's sleep to like really let it settle in, but it works. It works so perfectly. And I I first I wasn't sure because I put a question mark in my note saying, would it work with Eyes Wide Shut? But I, I think it does. I think it has that dark undercurrent of just menace to it about a, a stranger in a strange land who uh in a case in, in the case of uh the third man doesn't uh get out. He he does the thing that Tom Cruise would have kept doing. It's like I'm gonna keep digging. I'm gonna keep digging, and he digs, and he ends up like hurt. Uh, he 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 hurt. He hurts at the end of it. Yeah, he, he does. I mean, no, the third man is a movie you do have to stew with a little bit because it's got a weird score. I can't remember the instrument, but it's a Venetian instrument. They found a guy in the street and then score our movie. It's filmed in a bombed out um, uh, Vienna. It is Orwell is amazing. You're right. Cotton has big main character energy and he thinks he's in a novel. Like Tom Cruise thinks he's in a big conspiracy theories, which he kind of is, but isn't at the same time. I think it's yeah. much more mundane than he thinks it is. Um, yeah. cause he's in this big dream kind of thing, but no, it is, it is a spectacular movie. I mean, those sewer scenes, I mean, the shot when you first see Harry Lyme for the first time, he's standing under the, the lamp and it's just got that yeah. Orson Welles smile. He gives that, it's <laughs> hello. It's the greatest thing ever. Um, I adore this movie so so much. I think it is one of the greats. I think it perfectly works perfectly in front of this because you're right. It is this guy who has no business doing what he's doing in Vienna. This guy does yeah. not understand the political situation. He doesn't understand what his friend is. He doesn't even understand Adele. Uh, can't remember her name, but she, he does not understand her. Like he's just mm. making all these assumptions, and they always turn wrong and it's yeah um it's turn wrong and he keep and it it emboldens him and then by the time he like figures it out he's just like he literally like i'm going i'm leaving now and then the cop's like yeah well you're kind of too deep in it now so yeah look at all these kids that are dying he's like all right fine and it's like no my friend did that yeah your friend did that like this is this is who you think you need to be avenging is just the worst asshole in the world and then you meet him and he gives this amazing cuckoo clocks monologue and you're just like oh my god oh well yeah i'd be i'd, I'd fall for this your shit <laughs> completely no that is amazing um so i feel a little bad during my final trial because i'm going for brian Usner's society from 1989 for bill whitney i've never been paranoid fear plays a large part in family life 
I feel like something's gonna happen. And if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister... Could you zip me up, Billy? ...is not what she seems. God, Bill, what's the matter with you? He thinks his friends are out to get him. You make waves with me, you're gonna drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. <laughs> so why, why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? It's far worse than he could ever imagine. If you've seen this movie, you kind of know why I'm showing it. If you don't, you're going to have a uh, marvelous and horrifying experience ahead of you. Brian Usner also is behind, uh, produced uh, the reanimator movies. He uh, is a great gooey special effects guy. And uh, so, yes, when you get to the shunting, um, which is why society is famous, this kid has got a, lives in a very wealthy family and this very kind of affluence thing in California, something's not right. Something's really not right. And it's a mm. bit of a slog to get to the end. And then when you, once you get to the end, it's so worth it. And you're just drawers on the floor. So um, if you have, I don't know if you've seen Society, but anyone who has seen Society, you know exactly why I'm playing this trailer. I have not. Um, you have, you said, oh my God, you have yeah. something in store for you. Okay. Well, once you said he helped with uh, Reanimator, it's like, all right. I, I, def- it, I assume it's a horror movie, right? Yes, very much so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Body definitely, horror, right. Definitely. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, then yeah. You back. have to, you have to, trust me, you have to see it to believe it. Watch it late at night because I don't know if this movie works in, in the afternoon. I don't think it does. Mm. I think at the ending of society, you would just go, oh, this, no, you need to be in the dark. Um, yeah, it's a little, it takes a while to get into it because you are waiting literally for the end of the movie. Um, mm. But it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Uh, okay. so, yeah. Yeah, you'll never be the same after the ending of society. Um, and with that, we're going to be getting into, I think it still holds the record of being the longest consecutive shot movie. If you men only knew. I'll tell you what I do know is you got a little stone tonight. You've been trying to pick a fight with me and now you're trying to make me jealous. You've never been jealous about me, have you? No, I haven't. And why haven't you ever been jealous about me? Well, I don't know, Alice. Maybe because you're my wife. And I know you would never be unfaithful to me. You are very, very sure of yourself, aren't you? No. I'm sure of you. Do you think that's funny? with a hood and a mask. Okay, I think we'll find something for you. I suppose you'd like the password. If you'd like, sir. Fidelio. Thank you, sir. I don't think you realize the danger you're in there. You've been way out of your depth. You've got to get away before it's too late. Ever. I think um, even Orwell may have longer ones, but he keeps stopping and going back to them. There's other movies, but this is Kubrick kind of forcing Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise to be in London for like three years off and on. Mm. I think something like that. 
Um, Harvey Keitel was in this movie at some point and then got replaced by Sidney Pollock, which, to be fair, I love Sidney Pollock in this movie. He is such a uh, dirtbag. Yeah, um, that, that makes it okay. Yeah, I think he, Harvey was like, I have to go. Like, I can't keep waiting around for um, Kubrick all day uh, for yeah. years. But um, had you seen this movie before? Yes, I think this was my second. No, no, this was either my third or fourth watch of it. Um, I don't, I don't have an. I, I will say this is probably, I probably saw it like when I was in high school. Not at all my first Kubrick. Um, I'm almost certain that belongs to 2001. Uh, just as a brief like Kubrick aside, I do obviously I love him or, or I love his work. I haven't seen everything. I've seen large chunks of Full Metal Jacket. I've not seen Barry Lyndon. Uh, I've seen 2001. I've seen The Shining. Uh, seen Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, what am I missing? I, miss- I feel like those are like the big Killing? four. Oh, I haven't. Was it Clockwork Orange? I haven't seen Clockwork Orange. Well, Clockwork Orange is uh, disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but The Shining and 2001. Uh, I I think I might be more partial to 2001. Uh, but yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. Pretty sure I saw it like in high school, and then I think I saw it again at some point in the last few years, and then I I saw it for this. Uh, always liked it. I always find it funny, uh, especially during that first season of Westworld, um, how everybody wants to ape the uh, the orgy scene, but nobody really understands the point of the orgy scene. It's not just about the sex; it's like the overall and arching themes of the uh, of the movie. Um, and yeah, no, I I I still really like it. I, I think I noted in my letterboxed review that I love the more I watch it, the more I love the dichotomy between that opening ball and the orgy later on the film. Because that opening ball, it's um it's all implicit, it's all fantasy. You know, yes. I assume Tom Cruise has an idea, his character Harford, Harford has an idea that the two girls, the two miles he's with it. I assume he knows to some extent they want to go have threesome with him. And if he doesn't know, then he's a bit of an idiot, which I might cater more to him being an idiot. And I just think not I don't, I don't think he, re- I don't think he realized. Like, okay. I think, I think he was completely oblivious. Yeah. Uh, which Nicole is like, Kidman so very, absolutely knew that guy was trying to get into her, into her pants. Yeah. But... And she's playing along with, she's, she's having fun with the flirt. Like yeah. she's, she's enjoying it. And that's not to say that she's not getting any of that from Cruz, I do very much, I do find they are very much sexually in love. And I think it also helps at the time that they're mm. married. Um, you can feel that energy between them. Uh, but she, it's, it's all implicit, you know, it's the two girls and like they're, they are pushing to have a threesome. Um, Nicole Kidman and uh, the Hungarian man, whose name I'm forgetting. It's, you know, he very much wants to take her upstairs and have a quickie like amongst all the art that you know mm. they have the oh i adore it I adore again it. back to true lies yeah um and and i know in a sense i'm also sort of wrong with that as well because once tom cruise goes upstairs to help doctor uh not doctor um sydney pollock's character mm. there it is in the aftermath of a sexual escapade with the drugs and everything but again between our two characters the the uh, Nicole Kidman and uh, Tom Cruise, their desires is all fantasy, all held within that area. Nothing is acted upon. And then you, uh, that alongside the ball later, uh, the, the orgy later, that is all uh, real. The, the the fantasy is made reality, but then the dangers of that are also manifested as well. And so it becomes this um, play between Tom Cruise where he is at a moment where he has the fantasy, but he doesn't act on it. And then after he has the reality of what is shown to him and he probably doesn't realize 
it, it's one of those things well i'm sorry i'm like going off on a side tangent where this rewatch also you don't really know how menacing this organization is they tell you they're menacing it's implied that they killed the beauty queen but you're also not very sure and i think that's very good that they don't stamp in the details did nick nightingale make it home did they actually put him on a plane or did they kill him did they kill the beauty queen or was she already a drug addict given her status at the very opening of the film and so all that's very like i, I love that it's uh they don't answer it it's up to you to assume or not whether or not they go through with that and so with cruz after his encounter at the ball you know at, at the orgy he goes through okay i'm scared they uh all the nights, all, all the events from the night before, before the uh, orgy, you know, they, they take on a new meaning and twisted meaning. He meets the woman, the young girl who sold the sexual slavery. And even after he's threatened, he's like, you know what? I want to commit to my fantasy. I want to try and have a sexual encounter. And then he's denied that, you know, either. Again through, and again. Yeah. And I, I found it fascinating, especially in the concert you lies, because like you said earlier, he can't fathom his wife, Nicole Kidman, even fantasizing about someone else. And it's stuck in his head. And I did think up until later in the film, I thought it was interesting that in that fantasy, it was Nicole Kidman being naked the whole time. Yes. Or slowly becoming undressed while the uh, naval officer had his clothes off. But then later, they both have their clothes off. So it's like, man, it mm-hmm. loses that sort of uh, somatic underpinning, even though I do think it is interesting. Um, and so it's all hinged upon this fact that he just can't fathom it, which it's so... It highlights his misogyny and perhaps the misogyny men as a whole, because I think, given the context that is in the the 90s and given our today, you know, the idea of a woman having a sexual fantasy when they're in a committed relationship, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But he takes such offense to it. He takes such, he takes so much offense to it that he's like, well, you know what? You had a sexual fantasy. I'm going to go have a sexual reality or try to. And then he, he doesn't. And when he does come close, he he comes close to death. Uh, yeah. yeah, a couple of times. Like it's it's fascinating. Like when you brought up how the lexicon of we got in the um the zeitgeist of the orgy and the masks and this kind of thing. I mean, when this movie came out, it was a big deal. One, it was Kubrick. He hadn't released a movie for oh, quite a while. Two, it's Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise at the height of their they were married. They were the hottest couple ever. <clears throat> They're going to be naked on screen. So hot. That's, oh my God. That was kind of the selling point. You want to see Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise fuck on screen. This is the movie you go to. And then when it came out, it was kind. And then Kubrick died. And then it was kind of pan. Every all credit. I still remember this credit going, you know, after the shock value of Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, it, it, there's nothing. I don't understand it. And now when you say rich orgy, it's eyes wide shut. That is kind of, yeah. it's still seeped in. And what I love about it, because I love how this, you can read, this movie kind of differently because I read this movie as the first ball is Nicole Kidman's fantasy. Like she's playing along Mm. with the Hungarians, my favorite period. I think Cruz is completely oblivious to the fact that the two models want to have sex with them. I think he just doesn't clock it. He's just two in his own head. And Um, sorry, I I also just really quick. I think also that works with uh, Arnold and true lies as well. He's very oblivious. It's, I think Tom Cruise genuinely loves his wife and he like, when he's admitting to her, like he he wouldn't have a, a sex with any like this patron or anything out of respect for, I think in a sense she is twisting what he's saying because I think he doesn't actually think about it. For him, he just loves his wife. Yes, and these other women who who are literally throwing themselves at him at a lot of the times for him it's just like I I don't see you. You were just a person. 
but I've got my wife and that that my wife, my wife. <laughs> she's what matters to me. But I apologize, continue. Yeah. No, I think you think you're right because I think he is more interested in social climbing because because the fact that he is not allowed into the orgy or into this secret society, I think is kind of the thing that kills him more than the fact that um because he goes why do we get invited to these parties? This is what happens when you make house calls. This is, he's still making house calls to these very wealthy and powerful people in New York or London, because it doesn't look like New York, but it adds to the dreamlike nature of everything. Um, it's it's Kubrick, you go to him. Um, and then, so Nicole's, and the fact that you're living in Nicole's head for the first 30 minutes, like her flirting with the Hungarian, her kind of poking her husband going, Oh, really? You don't fantasize about anyone else. You didn't want to sleep with the models. And he's like, no, I want I want to be with where Sydney Pollock is. I don't care about the models. Everything I'm doing is to try and get to the status where Sydney Pollock is. You can tell that he's more intent on him. It's not a sexual thing. It's just a, you're power. rich, your power. I want the power. Like, yeah. And Nicole Kidman's like, but then once she starts detailing the fantasy to him, like, and I think he's right. He's, tr- she's trying to pick a fight and i think she is she's kind of maybe a little frustrated she's a little bored she just needs to let loose a little bit have a screaming match with her husband and have sex i think that's what she wanted and cruz got all pissy because she he found out that she had a fantasy about some guy and then he realizes there is power in female sexuality so he tries to go out and have an affair and every single time he does he is literally cock blocked every single time like something happens and well, the first the first time he's not cop like he's like he rebukes all of it, and then it's after the orgy where he's like, okay, well, then he's well, getting no, he would have he would have slept with Vanessa, Vanessa um, what's her name, um, uh, Hocus Pocus, um, but he gets a call from his wife, and she goes, "When are you coming home?" And he goes, "Okay, actually, no, I have to leave. I've just talked to my wife." But then he goes into sees. Uh, Nick Nightingale, which is like the best name for a low rent jazz Great musician name. ever. Oh my I god! I didn't and- realize that was Todd Field. <laughs> I've never seen it before. It's like, that's the guy who directed Tar? Like, oh. I'm like, okay. that's the time. That that is the man who directed Tar right there. I love it so much. And he's like, <laughs> it's so good. It goes into, okay, now I need to go to this thing because when you are sleeping with a run-of-the-mill sex worker, there is no power to it. Going to a fancy orgy in a mansion outside the city is powerful. That is where the the dealers, the politicians, people with money and influence are going. And also what this movie does is that because it's a it turns into a nightmare very quickly. So I think when Tom Cruise is on his Odyssey, I it's kind of like a weird dreamlike thing as well. Nothing's kind of real. So when you meet Lola Zobieski and you find out that whether that is her father or not her father, you don't know. That's the scary thing about it. You don't know whether mm. you know she's a sex slave now, but you don't and she's being pimped out, but you don't necessarily know if he was putting on a show for um Cruise or what's actually happening um poor vanessa um you find out later contracted hiv which he didn't sleep with so sex means death um and same with the um the orgy so it's tying all these kind of things in together and he is completely out of his element like he doesn't like yeah did this society i like how it never answers whether the society did kill nightingale and the and the and the queen beauty queen Or if he went back home to his family and she was an addict and was always going to die of an overdose. Um, and it also going so, back yeah. to that that um 
that idea that you don't know how menacing they are, it very well just could have been an orgy because it is one yeah. of those things where you walk into that and you're like, I'm at an orgy. And I think orgies have always been commonplace in society in one form or another, but the only difference is they just dress up. So it's like, is it for, it, it very well could just be the most ordinary thing in the world. They just dress it up to make it look, you know, like he says, like it's charade. Like they just do it to scare the hell out of them. I mean, yeah. Uh, maybe you don't do it all just for him the dressing up and everything but uh it very well could have just been ordinary and he just it's just not a place for him but it yeah. also could have been something more sinister and it's something that i after this rewatch i didn't know if i wanted to have one belief or another because if it was any one of us, his reason for walking that is because he's searching for the sexual uh power gratification what have you um but any other normal person would walk to an or that orgy and just feel like, oh, it's an orgy. Because they're not doing anything else. I mean, I assume there might they're be drugs just, there. But... Oh, oh, this baby. I mean, when you walk into each room, it's literally just people fucking. Like, that's Yeah, there's no food. Is. There's no nothing. Like, that. that's it. No, I was like, where's the buffet? Come on, this is a rich yeah. house. Where's the good food? Um, No, it is literally, I mean, they even have a queer room, which I kind of loved. You walk in and there's the same partners dancing. Because it's 99, you still couldn't have gay sex. Um, Unless you're from William Friedkin making... um cruising uh, but it's yeah there's this kind of just boring kind of nature to it except yeah. for when you're talking about because i think nicole i'll talk about tom cruise's performance in this and how i kind of feel about it i think it suits the movie but i think it's a weird performance um i think nicole kidman slays this movie i think yeah when she's telling that monologue and then when she's telling about the second dream about how she's just screwing all these men and she's just laughing at her husband because he's impotent and he can't um fulfill any of her fantasies which i don't think is true i just think she has a sexual she has a sexual inter she has an inner sexual life that her husband yeah. is not part of and he cannot handle that so he has and to go and try and make it actual but it's kind of like i love the line at the end when after he's told her everything you can tell nicole is just tired of like seriously all of this because all I this because of this yeah. oh my god this is, yeah and they're in the toy store and she says now that we're both awake like um and she's kind of you can kind of get the sense that okay they're both now awake they're both now present they can just move on with their life without having to worry about any of this um and i love the fact that it's her last line and she goes i think we just need to go home and fuck like it is yeah again it's like this is what i love about this movie tom cruise usually has a pattern with his movies i'm tom cruise i'm awesome oh no maybe i'm not as awesome as i think i am oh no no wait i'm tom cruise yeah i'm i'm as awesome as i think i am he never gets that rise up of i'm tom cruise i think i'm as awesome yeah. as i am it, it belongs to nicole which i think is just beautiful it's one of those things i do miss about his more uh modern performances that um he was, and maybe there's something to be said that there's no one who's willing to humiliate him like that, but I, he was willing to like, you can make me look bad. And I, yes. I, I, yeah, I'm I like, I like clearly that. shorter than my wife. I'm clearly yeah. the shortest person in this whole movie. Like everyone towers above him. All the women yeah. are taller than him, which I, even Lily Sovetsky, who looks like she's way too young. Yeah. They're all taller than him. And he is constantly being demascul uh, emasculated in this yeah. movie and he never quite gets it back um yeah. which i love it is a i mean both movies are about getting kind of the marriage bed back into the marriage like it's about sex becoming part of the marriage again 
And this is, and they both end very much in that way. True Lies ends with Helen and um, Harry doing the tango. And this movie ends with Nicole Kidman telling them in the middle of a toy store that they need to go home and fuck. So it's kind of a very similar ending, but this movie is, oh, it's it's gotta be one of my favorite Kubrick's because I can be really hot and cold on him. Like sometimes Mm. when I'm watching something like Dr. Strangelove, I'm like, no, this man's a genius. I love it. This is berserk. This is so amazing. And then I watch, like, I know a lot of people love 2001 and I get it. I'm not there yet. Yeah, it is technically genius. I can see how it changed everything, but at the same time, I'm like. It's plotting. It's, it's, it's it can Yeah, be I mean, it's meant plotting. to be this plotting. plotting. You're meant to kind of go along with the music and everything. And um, didn't help my first experience. We decided to uh, have some. Uh, we go see it at a midnight screening and I fell asleep within 10 minutes. So it didn't. I actually, so well. I saw the theater uh, a few years back. They were doing it at the at a Canopolis. It's like the big multiplex. And I went and saw it and I did fall asleep in the middle, but not because I was bored. I think I was also tired, but I'm like, it loves you. I've it's like it a like, lullaby. Yeah. But, yeah, the blue, Damn, I, but I've seen it I mean, like four or five times. I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I, I can nap. I know what's going on still. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was the only one in the theater too. So you can wake <laughs> up and go, oh, yeah, I know where I am. Cool. Yeah. Um, but this movie, I think he is doing something amazing this movie's set in 99 but it feels like it's early 20th century just with mm. the parties and the wealthy and just kind of that distinction i don't know there's a very otherworldly back in time feel about it it's even very though... isolated yes in new york city that's and that's and like, even again... for london like i know it's yeah, shot and... in london but london's not that quiet except yeah. maybe for the beginning of um 20 uh 28 days later but which I still don't it's know part of the I... reason why I chose the third man because when yeah. he's walking around at night, the streets they are noticeably empty. Like there's a couple cars, there's people walking past them. There's that scene that always circulates on Twitter where it's him. They do the behind the scenes of it, and it's him on the treadmill and yes. they're moving. Uh, which is like once you see it, you can't unsee it. But it is very much how empty those streets are, and in a way, how empty he feels because he's like, "Oh my god, my wife, she had a sexual fantasy," and. There is, I can understand some of his uh, annoyance with that sexual fantasy because she does specifically say that during her sexual fantasy, uh, they had just had sex after the naval officer went away and um, they just had sex and the guy was always on her mind, even after they had sex, even after they, you know, had pillow talk and everything. And I can kind of understand it because it's like, well, this whole moment was about us and you weren't even like there with me. His actions oh, yeah. after that don't make like it, that's that's on you, you know. Uh, but yeah, um I get the feeling that Nicole told him his Alice told him the story to hurt him. Like I yeah. don't think she told the story, I don't think it's the second dream where she's actually upset and she needs to get it out and she wants to be comforted. And Tom Cruise is just like a oh, this fucking guy again? Jesus Christ. And, even though this poor guy doesn't even know he's part of her fantasy, but I think the first time she tells him the fantasy in really great detail, I think it's to try and shake something out of him. I think she wants him to be jealous and this is her way of, because Nicole does really good stone and drunk acting in this movie when she's flirting with the (laughs) thing and she's just a little bit tipsy, but kind of thing. And when she's stoned and she's, her emotions are going, (laughs) Yeah, her, her emotions I have to get going. I have to get going. Like, and and she's like giggling on the floor when he sort of says, "I've never felt anything." Um, a oh, woman don't 
enjoy sex like that old standby of no women yeah. enjoy the emotion of it they want the stability they don't actually want to have sex yeah. and she, she's like okay so you don't think any i'm gonna make you jealous and so i'm just gonna tell you this fantasy and but what it does it spends it ends up on a 48 hour tailspin of like oh no i must go have sex with someone i must find someone <laughs> to hook up with to try and get my virility back to prove to my wife Which that, also it's yeah. also he takes away the wrong idea because it was just a fantasy she didn't do anything no. but he sets out to go do something which exactly. i also think to some extent i think that he thinks that he wants to go do something because she says because he doesn't feel just it's like okay so maybe maybe i because i don't think about other women like that i just think about you know they are they are distant from me. I have my wife who I love, who I want to be with. So maybe I do need to be with someone uh, to, to cheat on my wife, to see that I can see women as uh, sexually desirable because also all these women, including Nicole, they throw themselves at him. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he's like, ah, like a distance. And as a sidebar, I was watching uh, my girlfriend, Seuss. Uh, she was watching some of it um, yesterday with me. And the scene where uh, Nicole Kim and she details the second nightmare, she's like, oh, I was having sex with all these men and cuck holding you. And I just sat there and I kind of laughed because I'm like, that would be a nice dream to have. Because you know what? All my dreams, I'm too busy being like burned alive by being acid. Chased like, by being chased by someone. Like, <laughs> yes. it'd be nice. That's, that's, I mean, and she felt bad. And I genuinely, yeah. in, in, in uh, different things are different for, for different people. And for her, like, she felt genuinely guilty and bad about all that. But I was just sitting there like, that sounds like not, that sounds like a that sounds like a nice Saturday morning. Like I'm I'm too busy having the wildest, most fucked up shit happen to my skin. Like can we can we not do this? <laughs> I'm constantly um, being chased by things, shot at. Yeah. Uh yeah, an orgy wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But it is yeah, and the fact that she's kind of the laughing she's doing in the bed is kind of like sounds like gasps of crying and also laughter. Like it's a really yeah. unusual noise. Um but no, every single woman except for Nicole Kidman because she is married. Um, I mean, this one, I mean, the uh, True Lies definitely has it, the um, mother in the hall. Like, you can't be – I think the movie kind of melds them. Well, not really because she's with her husband. Um, it doesn't – a lot of movies have you be one or the other. This one really defines it. If you are not a wife and a mother, you are a whore, and they are mm-hmm. all sex work, work, workers, and they are all being used in some way, which I think is yeah. fascinating and really ugly. Like it really kind of goes into the ugliness of um, powerless sex work. It goes into the fact that, uh, what's her name, Sobieski, looks like she's so young and you realize, oh, I mean, the guy is hilarious. He's like, you would like a cap, a tux, and a mask? Like that guy is really funny, but then you realize how awful he is. And mm. there's a, it's almost like a dream sequence when he goes back into the store to return the costume. And she walks back out with the same two guys. You know, like, yeah. hang on a second. And the whole thing changes. And yeah. it's so gross. It is, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because it's kind of weirdly comic at the beginning, even though it's dark, because it's Kubrick who did everything dark. But then yeah. it just turns disgusting. And you're like, oh, this, just the flip of the coin. It's, yeah. And also, like, um, when he goes to visit the roommate, he has sexual tension with her. And so yeah. it's like, it, it's both. So like he goes and he visits the sex work he night before. And there's obviously sexual tension because I got the feeling when he gave her the money that she would have been willing to uh, have sex with him regardless of there's money. Like she seemed really into wanting to be with it, just have, yeah. having him. And then the next day 
obviously he finds out that she had HIV and she's not coming back anytime soon, but he's having that sexual tension with the roommate and they're not going anywhere. And then as soon as she tells him she had HIV, he's like, time for me to go. Mm. Um, and, oh man, I had another point. Uh, but yeah, no, again, just interesting. Like it, just that. And I think it was after the threat because, oh, that's what it was. So the, it's not just women throwing himself. Alan Cumming is throwing himself at him. The way he's looking at him, it's like, he he's so insular he a dummy like a he's a, an idiot. a dummy yeah. just like in the third man like he doesn't realize like everybody wants to fuck him even his even nicole kim she wants to and they do have sex but like she's not throwing herself at him like everybody else like alan coming he's like he's getting all up on the counter he's like getting all, like he wants him and he just yeah. doesn't the doesn't register it at all person who he doesn't want to who does not want to have sex with him is sydney pollock yeah I mean, even yeah. the woman with the dying father, she goes, she practically throws, she, you know, she doesn't practically, she throws herself at him yeah. saying, can we just, I love you, can we just have a moment so I can just remember this? Um, and he's like, but we don't know each other. Yeah. The only person who was not interested in him is Sidney Pollock, and that is the one person that Tom Cruise or Henry or whatever Robert. his name is, yeah. <laughs> um, is interested in. And it's not yeah. sexual, it's just because... He wants to be with Sydney Pollock. He wants, he's doing these house calls. He's constantly doing all these things for these wealthier people so he can be a part of the upper class. And, and then Sydney he realizes Pollock, yeah. when he's being threatened, he's like, maybe I don't want this. Like, if this is what it buys and the intrigue and the, did they kill the girl? Did they kill Nightingale? Like, I, I don't know if he changes for the better since that, that he doesn't think that's where he wants to be. Cause let's be real. Their apartment looks real nice. I mean, bathroom beside their apartment yeah. looks great so he they're not exactly hurting no um, it's he's 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 very much upper middle class yeah. but it is this um but it's not the mansion that Sydney oh, and when yes. Sydney Pollock basically says you're not getting up on this level there is no way we're going to use you to how we want to use you as you will accept your doctoring but you're not one of us you yeah. never have been and it wasn't the fact that you didn't you didn't know the second password because there was no second password to know. You're just not at our level. And, and maybe you shouldn't be. Like, and you like shouldn't that, be, that, yeah. You're worried yeah. about a sex worker? Who cares? Like, you're worried about a jazz musician? who? And he, Pollock does not care about them. They are not worthy of his attention. Um, yeah. They are not worthy of his thing. So, yeah, he's never going to be completely, and I find that fascinating that everyone's throwing themselves at him, but he wants... Sydney Pollock, who does not care. And I think that's yeah. a really interesting dichotomy. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's perfect. I, mm. I couldn't say that better. So, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> um, and Sydney Pollock is a beast in this movie. When he come when he's just wearing no shirt and suspenders, you are like, that there he is. That, yeah. That's Sydney, yeah. that's Sydney Pollock. He's really good in this movie. I I really yeah. he's such an arsehole. Um do you think the Christmas setting adds anything to this movie or I think it does because especially those those times when um he Cruz Harford is out walking those streets alone, there's something there's always something slightly lonely about Christmas, even when you're with family. There's there's that sort of that cheery isolate not cheery isolation but there's the cheeriness of the holiday but there's the isolation of those you know the, the, those cold snowy streets in the movie but also within uh, i think that comes with the holiday itself yeah and so there's something to be said that inside is where all the action is it's where the heat is you know the sexual heat um political intrigue and all that but then the streets 
the one time there is a little bit of action on the streets is when he's being followed. Um, but yeah. for the most part, and, and those streets, again, are very empty What for what is supposed to be New York, even though it is London. Um, and so it's... It, I, I do think the Christmas setting adds to like that isolation of how alone you are and not, and not just how alone he is, but how alone you are to end up all the way in a mansion up in, you know, upper New York at an orgy. You, you're, you're looking for that, that moment that he, you're going inside. He goes into the cafe to get a cappuccino and he reads about the beauty queen dying. And you can see like on the windows, it's very hot. Like there's fog on the, on the windows and everything because uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a it's a cafe, um, and also I think there's something to be said that most of the film takes place at night. The stuff, the times that it does take place inside, or, or some when it does take place during the day, uh, it's in more or less his doctor's office, and I think that's kind of it. Oh, and then when he drives back up to the manor um, the next day, mm. but for the most part, it mostly takes place at night. So I do think there is something with the holiday and how it can make one so isolated, and so he's been incensed by Nicole Kidman t- her telling him about that fantasy so much that he's wandering these lonely streets looking for some action or hoping that he has enough within him to look for some action and both times before the orgy and after the orgy he doesn't find it he's either he either rejects it himself because he's just not into it but then after the orgy he feels emboldened somewhat even though he is uh being uh followed he feels like you know what this is my moment. Maybe I just do it because I might not have another chance. And then he's rebuked. So I definitely do think there's something. And I think it adds to that, the, the, that those cold streets versus the heat of everything else going on inside. No, I mean, I did note this down that this is a very interior movie. I mean, we talked, uh, I sort of, we talked about how James Cameron likes to look at the geography of a space and how to use it, like with the bathroom um, fight, but Kubrick has this very kind of intentional interior. It's the only way I can sort of say it. Like, Cruz is always trying to get into somewhere, whether it's yeah. a, a sex worker inviting him in, whether he's constantly saying, I'm a doctor, and that seems to get him in everywhere, which I love. It's like a secret card of like, <laughs> no, no, I'm a doctor. Let me in. Like the costume shop or when he's at the hospital checking on the beauty queen, um, he can just kind of say, I'm a doctor, and then things will kind of happen. Yeah. Um, and then like the password, he has to get into the to the to the orgy. It's always these closed doors that Cruz is getting into. Yeah. And Kubrick keeps focusing on these doors and these very kind of like when he's um, visiting the dying man with his daughter, it's a very intimate closed room. Yeah. Um, don't quite know how to explain it, but yeah, there's something about the interiority interiority of this movie that you are right with the, with the Christmas setting and the loneliness of the outside with all these kind of spaces, with these different kind of relationships. And when he's home, it's very domestic. I mean, Nicole Kidman's helping her daughter with the homework, wrapping presents, being a mom, putting deodorant, on. Putting deodorant yep. on. It's very this, even when she's naked. Okay, if I had the body of Nicole Kidman, I'd just be naked all the time. Like, it just wouldn't be, yeah, the, be an issue. Yeah, ballsy move to open your film with her taking that dress off. Like, yeah. oh, like yeah. I... I like Nicole, but I think she's fine, but I, I don't think she's 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 never looked hotter than she has. Her. Oh my god! I mean that ass. It's and yeah. then she's just in front of the mirror, and you see her ass. You see, the, actually, both these movies have amazing mirror shots where Jamie Lee's doing the hair, and you can kind of see yeah. the back of her head and then the reflection. And you do the same thing with Nicole looking in the mirror, and then you you can see that all her, her back in her ass and all that kind of thing. And then um, bad bad um, you put a bad bad girl is playing and. 
Um, it's very just domestic. Even the it makes sex me scene- wish that Cruz did actually strip down. Not because I'm trying to see Cruz Dong, but like. If for I think we should have seen Cruz Dong. I mean, we saw yeah. everything. I mean, this movie has a lot of vagina. We should have seen it. Yeah, least if one you're going to be yeah. this sexy, I I do think like it could have used that one step further for yeah. uh, Cruz to be just slightly de- de- demasculated a bit more. A little um, bit more. Because this movie is about the demasculation of um, Tom Cruise. But yeah. It, yeah, it's very domesticated. And when he's going to these other places, it's not domesticated. It is something else. And he doesn't know how to kind of deal with that in his head whether it's the orgy whether it's the sex worker whether it's the daughter of um throwing herself at him or even it's the cafe when he's trying to maneuver the waitress into giving him nick's uh nightingale such a good name address it's all these kind of things and just the way he's using the outside compared to the inside i think is absolutely fascinating i don't think i fully grasped it but i think this is a movie that you just get something else every single time the insides are full of people and the outsides are not yes yes which is christmas that is yeah yeah that, that, yeah the, the streets are like almost always empty no one is really stopping to chat everyone is moving their separate ways but the insides are packed and you can see that i think very plainly in the opening ball and the orgy yes rooms packed to the brim with people and something else also like the the ball people are dancing and then the orgy people are fucking but like arguably they are one the same you know exactly yeah dancing and fucking yeah so yeah i agree <laughs> yeah no i just think it's interesting and I love it when Kubrick pulls that stuff off, like the shining with the shirt that you're wearing. It's very much each room is its own separate little universe when they go into yeah. it. Like whether it's the lady in the tub, whether it's the weird bear thing, each room in the sh- in the hotel kind of has its own weird thing. And he's very good at interiors. Uh, he's very good at kind of understanding, okay, what does the space mean? And I think he does, it's all over Eyes Wide Shut. Um, anything else you want to say about Eyes Wide Shut before we finish off? Uh it's 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 very it's dumb good uh it's very good yes uh it i think it has very much risen my estimation um i mean it's always been good but it might just be one of my favorites but i really need to watch his other films uh for certain but no i think this was a great double pairing uh the the cuckolding the how men view their wives and what they do and do not allow them to have obviously i think uh, Eyes Wide Shut is working on a higher thematic level than yes. True Lies um, but it, it a great double pairing for sure uh, yeah no thank you so much for coming on and talking about this double because it was yeah it is a really rich thematic double as even though I think Eyes Wide Shut is working at a higher level thematically than True Lies but the set pieces in True Lies are kind of the best second Somebody, to none second to none so I think yeah. and you've got two masters kind of working their craft and very very different yet similar ways and i think both are kind of amazing um so yes thank you so much for coming on this was an absolute blast thank you for having me i i had a great time <laughs> uh, thank you yeah thank you so much uh anytime you want to come back on just let me uh let me know um oh, i have we... i have a lot of double features <laughs> excellent <laughs> good day glad to hear it um, but before we go please tell people where they can find your good work uh, I don't have quote unquote much work to begin with, but you can always find me on Twitter at uh, ODST Spartan. Uh, that's a uh, capital O D S T and then the S and then 
Partam. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter. You can just also just name search uh, Maxwell Daring. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I have a Discord. I also uh, created and I help manage the uh, Action for Everyone Discord with uh, Mike Scott, Liam O'Donnell, and Vice Victus. Um, I currently, if you are in, if viewers, anybody's interested, I'm doing Woozilla Vember as a lead up to Silent Night and Godzilla Minus One. So I'm doing a double feature of a uh, John Woo film and a Godzilla film. Oh, that is uh, awesome. Last night I did Face Off and then uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And that was sort of thematic because for a brief moment, Mechagodzilla is dressed up like Godzilla. Uh, and yeah, so yeah. I thought it worked. Still working out the kinks for the next one, but uh, I'm going to try to make them weekly. And so I do hope people uh, will show up. We have had a few people so far. Uh, but yeah, th- that's where you can find me. I don't have any other social media. I, I have a Reddit account. Nobody uses mm-hmm. Reddit. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Discord. Yep. Awesome. No, please give him a follow. He's a delightful follower. I always love your takes on movies. I think they're really, really fascinating. And it was really great to sit down and chat. This was an absolute yep. um, blast. Yeah, I, you can follow me on all the pods um, or Shock and All One um, or Reading Geek on all the social medias. Um, I don't have a Discord. I have, I'm in a few discords, but not. I don't have my own one. And uh, yeah, we will be back with another double feature. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.